Let's go to the word of the Lord. I want to talk to you about little, a, a little gentleman that was in a band. It was an Italian band. Just kidding, actually. You'll see that in the scriptures. It's a pastor joke. Acts 10, 1 through 48. I will not read all of these scriptures. I really like that verse that Brother Reese was parked on in Proverbs 15, verse 13 today. It was just such a great word. If you can go back and listen to that, you will be blessed. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and downward. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called Italian. See, he was in a band. A devout man and one who feared God with all his house, which gave him much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Everybody say offerings and prayers. God noticed it. And his, he saw a vision, in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of, of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, everybody say God knew his name. Amen. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. That's the first response to a spiritual situation. It's typically we're afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And I love that he called him Lord because anytime an angel sent, they don't come in their name. They come in the name of the Lord. Amen. So he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms. There it is again. Your prayers and your offerings are come up for a memorial before God. That's very interesting. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges in, the, in one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And so he was saying, go to the seaside and buy seashells and get them. Don't get them from Sally. Get your own seashells. That's just a throwback to last week. If you weren't here, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but that's okay. Need to be in church every Sunday. Oh, shameless plug from pastor. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Skip to verse 47 for me and 48. So they went and they met with Peter and they had him come to their house. And Peter preached the word. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And Peter said, can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? These Jews that came with Peter, they were amazed. They didn't know that God was going to win Gentiles. They didn't know God was going to send salvation to the to the the house of Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. This wasn't expected. And they all stood amazed. They're like, what in the world? Can we, can we keep them from being baptized? Since God has saved them too, and he commanded them. Everybody say commanded. He didn't say this is a good idea. He didn't say when all your family comes into town. He didn't say when you put all the perfect baptism party together and get the right dress. In the right gowns? No, he didn't say that. He said, I, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then prayed he them, they prayed that he would stay with them or tarry certain days. So what I want to speak to you about is it's time to be baptized. It's time to be baptized. Peter felt it so important that those that received the Holy Ghost, the same as they, that they should be commanded. He said, get baptized. It's time. Amen. So I want to preach for just a few minutes, and we're going to be short, maybe 15 minutes, so we have time to do the baptisms. And whenever I get start to wrap down, I'm going to ask somebody to help and go. I know that there's 
everything's set up, so we're ready, but we want to put a little bit more water in the tank, and we'll just dismiss people to go get ready for baptism. We have gowns and towels and everything like that, but at this point, we're going to just celebrate the word of the Lord. Amen? And so, Jesus, we ask you to just help us to see as we focus on baptism today, we thank you for this opportunity to be in, covered in the blood and be put into the name of Jesus, that everything that he did for us has then put on our life. We're so thankful for those that could sign up. And anyone here that wants to get baptized, we can, get, we can do that today. And we ask you to help us to have an open heart, Lord Jesus, for what you want to do in us as we know that now is the time. When we hear it, we need to do it. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Cornelius wasn't a stranger to prayer. He'd prayed. He'd offered alms in the synagogue, in the sanctuary of the Lord. But I want you to notice that there was another step he needed to take. And I want you to hear me when I say that whenever God shows you something in the Word of God that you have not done yet, your response is to obey it. And when you don't obey it, Sarah, could you help me out with the ball that's hidden behind your purse? When you don't obey it, you stop at that point. So say I was to toss this to Brother Mike. And I was to say, throw it back. Oh, okay, so somebody threw it back, <laughs> right? So he obeyed it. And so if I was to toss this over here, Sister Vicky, she catches it, and I could keep preaching. And her and I are at a relationship where I have tossed something to her. If I say, throw it back. If I toss it to Rob, and I say, now throw it back. He says, now nah, hang on to that. I think I'll hold on to that. Our relationship, now I can go on and preach about the name of Jesus. I can talk about how beautiful it is to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I can tell you all the stories of people in the scripture that were baptized when they knew they needed to. And they took the step to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I can tell you all of those things. But until you see it and you say, you know what? Baptism is scriptural. They did do it by the mode of burying somebody or putting them all the way down in water in the name of Jesus. Here is much water. What doth hinder? You know, all, when you understand that they came up out of the water, when you know how they did it and what they did to do it, when you get to the point of studying it so much that you know what they did and that, they, that, that it's needed and that they did that all throughout the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, all those different places in Scripture where they did baptism, that's great, but that's all head knowledge. That's been tossed to you that you now have received. And the thing that you have to do is you have to obey God in order for it to be applied to your life. So at some point, you have to say, not only was this good for them, but it's good for me. In Acts chapter 2 and 38, it says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
And then verse 39, it says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to submit to you today that when I'm saying it's time to be baptized, I'm telling you no matter how much you study it, no matter how much you're convinced of it, until you obey the scriptures, you have to take the next step, brothers and sisters. You have to be the one that says, I'm going to do what the scripture says. You are called to take the next step. God, throughout all of your relationship, everything you've known about God to this point has been a continual, hear me carefully, a continual calling of God showing you something and then waiting for you to obey what you've been shown. And when you obey it, something releases in your life, amen? And so what I'm here to tell you is that you are called to greater things, but you can't go to greater things until you start this relationship of trust with Jesus, where when he shows you something, whether you understand it 100% or not, you take the next step, amen? You go ahead and you obey it. So as I'm preaching here, we understand that Rob and I, our relationship is at the point that it was still at when I tossed him the ball. He has not made a move to, to obey, and if I say, Rob, throw it back to me, now throw it back to me. <laughs> he was uh, convinced because I told him to. And so he throws it back to me. Now our relationship is different. I have presented something to him. He has obeyed it. Now I can give him something bigger. If I had a bigger ball, I'd throw it at you. And I may throw it a lot faster. I don't know. I just, who knows what could happen. But then what happens is I will throw him something again. And then I'll say, give it back to me. And I will continue this relationship. Now I know that if I present something to him as the Lord, so I'm in the position of God here, if I present something to Rob, throw it back, I know he's going to obey. Amen? So you start a relationship walk with Jesus Christ from the, from the very beginning of repenting of your sins. When God says we are sinners, we're far from God, but his grace is sufficient. And we know that we need to bow the knee and say, I need you, Jesus. I need a Lord in my life. Amen. When you start to do that, God says you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he says, okay, I'll repent. Amen. He obeys and he repents. And now when I say, you need to be baptized, it's time to be baptized. He says, okay, I'll get baptized. What's happening? We're developing a relationship where I present him truth and he obeys that truth. And God is patterning that in your life. He did that throughout the Old Testament. He taught them how to approach God. He gave them truths, and they would then live them out. The same thing happens in the New Testament church. God presents a truth, and you have to decide, am I going to shed the things? Am I going to put off the relationships? Am I going to do what it takes to obey? And then when you do it, God says, that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to give you greater things, but I can't give you greater things if we're stuck at a relationship relationship of what I've presented, you're still holding on to. And you can sit there. Has he done anything wrong? Not necessarily. Has he just not listened? Yes, probably. Have I played the pastor card every time? Yes, I have, because I told him to throw it back. And he's like, okay, pastor, here's an authority figure. You know, but the thing is, is while he's doing that, he may hold on to that for a long period of time. Just analyze the basketball, just look it over, just see why maybe it's in the, maybe why I handed it to him. But if I tell him to give it back, 
I have often, I've opened the door for me to give him more. Amen? You open the door for God to give you more. That's what I'm getting at. That's my point, is you yourself open the door for God to give you more. So obeying the leading of the Lord is very important in our life. And when we get to the steps of salvation or walking through things in our, in our walk with God, we have to know that when we say, you know, there's something that I see here, something I feel I need to do from the scriptures, the second you do it is when God opens up your next greater thing. And that's hard for some people to understand because the illustration is so, so basic that throwing something out and then re- receiving it, sending it back. But it's the obedience imperative that we were talking about in Spirit Life with Brother Reese. It's the obedience imperative that when you start doing things and you start obeying the Lord, you start to fall in love with obeying the truth. In fact, you actually have to love the truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Amen? You can't just know the truth. You have to fall in love with the truth. And one of the greatest statements I heard this weekend while we were at conference is my pastor say that I fell in love with this book. Amen? He, he went through all kinds of trials. He, he went to jail for quite a few years. When he was 18, he was selling drugs, and he got busted, and he got, he got baptized, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost in a church, and then they came and they got him because he had passed priors, and they put him in jail. He had an eight-year sentence, and he got out in five years, and in those five years, they gave him, his, this pastor came and gave him a search for truth Bible study, and they had to take the spiral off of the Bible study so that he didn't kill himself or kill somebody else in the jail with it. And he had like so loose leaf. He had a Bible study that was just kind of loose leaf. He said he went into the word of God and he studied that thing and he studied that thing and he fell in love with this word. What was he doing? God was tossing him truth and he was obeying it. He got baptized. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He came out. He only went through ninth grade because he started selling drugs and doing street life. And he came out of ninth grade and he was just living his life. He was doing all kinds of things, just living an ungodly life. He was a whoremonger. He did all kinds of stuff, and he doesn't like to talk about it, but he tells, he tells the story this weekend, and he said, when he fell in love with this word and he started obeying it, God started opening greater doors in his life. And he knew that the more that God was giving him was because God had entrusted him with something that he held on to, but then he gave it back to the Lord. He had not only held on to truth, but he trusted God to give him more revelation and more truth. We're not stagnant, brothers and sisters. We're not staying in one place. He's going to reveal things throughout eternity. He's going to open this book, I believe, all throughout eternity in heaven and give more and more revelation from the Word of God. That's what I believe. So I know that he was... He fell in love with the word of God. And then the Bible says that then, then as he was studying the Bible, he saw places in the Bible where it spoke to his life and he changed his life and God put a beautiful bride in his life. God began to minister through him. He went back to college. He got his degree and then he became a pastor and now he's helping people get out of drugs and addiction. He's teaching 12 Bible studies a week because he's in love with this book. This book will change your life. And it is the interaction between you and God where God shows you something in the word and you, if you take the step to obey it, that's what I believe the Bible means when it says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God can turn a moving car much easier than he can turn somebody sitting still. If you just park on a pew and you don't do anything with anything that's said over this pew, I mean, you can come and enjoy it. We'll shake your hand. We'll love you. We'll hug your neck. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll give your kids candy. I hope we don't give too much candy out. I, 
will help you try to find an insurance program to fix their teeth. I don't know. We're, but we love you, but nothing changes until you apply the word of God. We don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers also, the scripture says. And so if we're going to do something, maybe we should apply baptism just as that same process. If you have been baptized, you are on the next level. You are climbing a mountain. There are people that are joining us at the base of the mountain right now. There are people gathering that came out of Ashbury and came out of all these places, and they're gathering at the base of the mountain. They're having God move on them. They're getting filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're speaking into, don't even know what it is. And then they go to find it in, their, in the Bible, and they're like, oh, it, oh it's in there. That is, that is God. I understand that now. And they're gathering at the base of the mountain. We may be on Knoll 2, Knoll 3, or Knoll 4 in our climb with Jesus Christ. We may understand holiness. We may understand some separation from the world. We may be in a place where, where we're in a different segment of our walk with God and our faith in God. But we are not supposed to go back down the mountain to them. We're supposed to reach down and pull them up to us. We have to understand that we have obedience walk with God. And you may be at the point of baptism today, or you may be at the point of, of consecration creating something very special to God in your life. But I can tell you this, you're not supposed to be in the same place 10 years from now that you are right now. 10 years from now, you should be more in love with Jesus. You should be more in love with the word of God. You should be more in love with coming to the God's house and feeling his presence. You should have more in your life 10 years from now than you do right now. That is the walk of faith. That is called to greater things. And so, we're not called to lesser things, but to greater things. It's important that I tell you that because in the scriptures, it tells us to rise and be baptized and call on the name of the Lord. He's saying, this is a get up moment. This is something that's great. So when, when I'm throwing this out to Rob, and he's going to get tired of this illustration, I'm sure, but he has to trust that I have something greater for him to let go of what I've already given him. So you have to give it back, Rob. <laughs> yeah, see, I dropped it. You can leave it there. That's fine. I'm done with that illustration. I'm bored of it now. <laughs> so is everybody else. You have to understand that God is not leading us to lesser things. Even if the world is starting to dismantle and come apart and systems and governments are not running the way they should because of corruption, we are being called to greater things. So when you get filled with God's Holy Spirit and you get baptized in Jesus' name, you are, you are taking on the earnest of your inheritance. You are taking on eternity and time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are starting to live your future paradise in your spirit in this present day. So when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are born again. The Bible tells us in John 3 that you must be born again of water and of spirit. Amen? When you're born of water and baptism, that's a beautiful thing. When you're born of spirit, that's a beautiful thing. But you're not supposed to just live bound by time. Every step you take is a step where you're not only walking in temporal time, but you're also living into your eternity. So you have the opportunity to live eternity now. You have the opportunity to call those things that aren't as if they are. You have the opportunity to take authority in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven suffered. Oh, I feel like the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force, the Bible says. I get excited. You'll have to forgive me. Oh, I've watched too many people and too many scenarios. I have sat so many times where we didn't have any money, 
and we drove to church with no gas in the car. And we come out, and there's a $50 bill taped to the steering wheel, and nobody knew our situation. How many times has he taken care of you? How many times has he helped you? How many times has he stepped in, and you didn't even know it? How many times? It's like the little lady that was heard the doorbell ring, and she went out, and she opened the door, and there was a bunch of groceries on the stoop. On the, if you don't know what a stoop is, <laughs> it's not part of stupid. It's actually the front end of the, it's the front concrete of the front door. So she was like on her front porch. There's a bunch of bags of groceries. And she goes, oh, thank you, Jesus. And this guy jumps out of the bushes, and he goes, that wasn't Jesus. I bought those groceries. And she goes, what? She goes, that wasn't Jesus. That could have been the devil. I bought those groceries. And she's like, thank you, Jesus, for buying me groceries and making the devil pay for it. <laughs> we have to know that God's working for greater things in our life. And even though we see ups and downs, we see families in trouble, we see families coming out of trouble, I can tell you the greatest story of my life will be that I put myself in his story. And the greatest thing is that my history gets buried by his story in baptism. That whenever I go down in the name of Jesus or whenever I call back to my baptism in prayer, everything that was there is no longer there. It's for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38 says. We know that we're buried in his name. We know that we go into his name. We know that whenever God met with with. Peter on the rooftop in Joppa, he said, go and baptize. And Peter's like, hey, I, I've never baptized somebody outside. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to do that. And I've never eaten anything. So what happens is he has this vision and this big tent comes down or this big cloth comes down is the best way I guess I could explain it. And on there is all kinds of animals that they're not supposed to partake of in their Jewish, you know, they weren't kosher for the Jewish laws. And he says, I, and, and in, this, in this dream, he hears the Lord say, take, slay, and eat. And he's like, no, Lord, I, I'm a good Jew. I've always eaten everything that's right and kosher and in the law. I'm, I've never done anything like that. I, I'm not going to do that. I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And God corrects him and says, don't you ever call anything that I have cleansed common or unclean. Let me tell you about how the value of God is on your life. If he touches your life, don't ever let anybody tell you that you're just common or you're just dirty or you have not been cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. You are a creature made new by Christ Jesus. You are someone who has been given a new life in the Lord. Greater is he that is in you. Amen. I'm so thankful that I know that that has sparked so much faith in my life for people. I know God does great things, and I know the valuation of my life was at the cross, that he died for me, and nobody can take that away from me. Nobody can diminish me. Nobody can stand and yell in my face and say, you're not worth anything, because I know I'm worth something. I've been through the water. I've been through the flood. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. He died and came for me. He died and came for you. He was weird, willing to come and be buried for three days in a tomb and get up and lay that head napkin off to the side that told the Jewish people that I'm not done with this yet. He was resurrected. And when he came out of that tomb, he bought life for you and I. So we are put into Christ Jesus so that our history becomes his story. And from that point on, 
Your testimony is meant to, use, to be used to give God glory. Somebody said amen? Oh, so we start to hear those still small voices. When we obey God, we start to feel him nudge us for the next step. And then he nudges us for the next step. And then he tosses out the ball. And we say, okay, Lord, and we obey. It is a walk with God, but it is a walk that starts at salvation, obeying the word of God. I don't want to be the same next week as I am today. It's time that I be baptized again in my mind. So I want to know not only who wants to be baptized, but I want to know that I have been set free from everything that holds me down. So whenever we look at the baptism process, we know you're buried in water. We know they invoke the name over them. We know that all power is in the name. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We know Jesus said, I give all authority. I have all authority in Matthew 28, 19. He said, I have all authority. And so then baptize in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He said, I have the authority to save you. And last week we talked about that a little bit, about how we are buried with Christ in Romans. Who read that? Nate read that today, didn't you? You read that in Romans 6. We're buried with Christ. The whole point of calling on the name of Jesus is because we're being buried with him. We're taking on his life, and he's taking on our death. So as we finish today, I want you to know that as we were obedient to baptism, we're never the same. Amen? We're full of revival. We're full of, of new life. And so baptism by immersion in much water is what we need to, how we need to do it. The name is what we need to use, amen, for its remission. In other words, it's as if it never happened, the remission of sins. So when we get baptized in Acts 2.38, it said it's for the remission of sin or the washing away of sins. When people get baptized today, everyone that's going to get baptized, when you come out of that water, your record is clean with heaven. It's as if you took a, a, piece, a piece of paper that had all of your wrongs and you turned it completely white. And there's nothing on record. I remember telling somebody this, and they came up to me afterwards. It's like you never did anything wrong when you come out of the water. When you're buried in Jesus' name, you come up fresh and clean. It's the best time to reach your hands toward heavens and be filled with the Holy Ghost because you are so clean. You're a vessel open to receive. And that's why when people come up out of the water, we're like, lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Let's thank him. You've given your life to God. And a lot of times they will receive the Holy Ghost right there. And so what happens here in the scripture is we see that when we're baptized in Jesus' name, we take on him, yes, but we also take on new life. And that new life begins to work in us. And I'm, from that day forward, you're not living how you used to live. You're living with a God in your life, no longer given to the things you used to be given to, it makes you want more. It's a new birth. It's a new experience. You're never the same again. When we get to this fall, we're going to do another Baptism Sunday, and we're doing a whole campaign, and we're hopefully in our other building, Lord willing, and the rectangle room doesn't survive. 
this, this thing that we love but we want to get out of? We have to know that, and I'm going to take four minutes and I'm done. We have to know what baptism is for. We have to know how to do baptism as according to the scriptures. And we also have to know that we are putting our faith personally in the process. Because the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's why we don't baptize infants. Because infants are not able to believe for themselves. We don't knock anybody that baptizes infants. We're so thankful that your parents loved you enough to try to put you into Christ Jesus as a baby. We also know that while doing that and having the best of intentions, the Bible tells us that you have to have your own faith for what's happening. You have to be able to believe for what's going on. That when you come up out of that water, as the name is called over and you're baptized, that you come up clean in the name of Jesus. That no matter where you're baptized, it's that name that is the detergent factor. It's like putting a bunch of laundry in the washing machine and never putting any soap in. You're just spinning dirty stuff. <laughs> That's all you're doing. But if you use the name, the name of Jesus is the detergent factor. It's like putting the soap in. And, and maybe some of you feel like you need to put a whole lot of that soap in. I don't know where you come from and what you've been through and what you had to deal with. Or maybe how you grew up and, 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 and you had lots of sin in your life. Maybe you feel you need to be washed or held down a little longer. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you get baptized or how, or, or how long they hold you under the water. It's that name that is able to clean your life. Amen? And so I'm taking, I'm taking authority. When I say in the name of Jesus to baptize somebody, I'm taking authority over their past. I'm taking authority over every curse. I'm taking authority over everything in their history. If you have a witch in your past family life and they put curses or hexes on their family, you are broken free from any curse or any hex when you go into the water. The picture is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going through the Red Sea. As the, as, just as they went through the, the Red Sea, so too also we are baptized. In other words, Pharaoh and your past has to stay on the other side of the water. He could not. That's why Pharaoh was, made a very serious mistake when he brought his army into the Red Sea to pursue the children of Israel. The walls were standing up. The water was standing up. They had walked through on dry land, and now they're getting to the other side and here comes Pharaoh's army. Imagine the fear. Imagine everything that they're thinking, everything we were, everything we were, we have been, of the slavery life. They're going to take us. They're going to beat us. They're going to make us slaves again. Everything that was in their past entered into that, into that Red Sea with Pharaoh's army. But when God closed those waters, he said, you're messing with my model my model is the past days on this side of baptism. So just as they went through the water, so we also go through the water. And everything that was on the other side of your baptism has to stay there because nothing gets through the name. If... If, you, know, you already know this, and I know there's preachers in the room, so please forgive me. If God had not taken care of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, it would have broken the model all the way through into the New Testament. If Pharaoh had come out the other side of that sea, he would have had to shake hands with Moses and call him brother. But the model was broken at that moment if he was allowed to go through the Red Sea. But because he didn't, we know that when we go down in baptism, everything in our past, every curse, 
every nuance, everything that we feel like has been brought on us through family or through witchcraft or anything, through nuances, through Ouija board experiences, through anything that is of the occult, it all has to stay on the other side of the water. It has to stay on the other side of your baptism. That's why we baptize. We feel that strong about it. And the word of the Lord tells us in so many places that we're putting ourselves into the name. Acts chapter 2 and 28 says, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts 8, 16, baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 10, 48, baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 19, 5, baptized in the name of the Lord. So infants, we don't baptize because they have to come to the age where they can understand what they're being baptized for. And then we don't sprinkle because you don't sprinkle a dead person. You bury them. You don't toss a few, like I said last week, Brother Reese, you don't toss a few shovels of dirt in a hole when you're burying somebody. You fill up the hole. And the same thing is true. When you go down in, in baptism, the waters part and cover over top of you. And so those that are getting baptized today, don't tense up when I lay you back. I promise you I won't lose you. <laughs> Just lay back all the way into the water. Let the water close over top of you and come back up. That's the proper burial, amen? And you're buried with Christ, and you come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me today? If you've been baptized and you don't know if you were baptized in the name of Jesus, there is a great passage in Acts 19, 1 through 8 that gives us an understanding of this. Paul was passing through the upper coast of Ephesus and he found some disciples of John and they had already been baptized. But they had been baptized unto John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. It was a great baptism. It was what they had at the time. But now Jesus had died and been resurrected and the Holy Spirit had been poured out in the church. So they were under the covenant of grace. And so when he finds them, he asks them, okay, so you guys are disciples of John. You know, John has already been beheaded. He's, he's gone. And they're still living everything they knew. And then you get to Acts. Let me just read it for you. I was hoping it would come up here. But in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, he's talking to them. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at, the, at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. This is the location. It's giving you time and place. Finding certain disciples. These were disciples of John. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they're like, and they said, We don't even know what you're talking about. We have not so much as even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We were baptized under repentance. John was telling us that there's one coming after him whose shoes I'm not able to untie. He's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. And so that's what they understood. And he said unto them, unto then, well, unto what then were you baptized? He goes, okay, if you haven't, don't know anything about the Holy Ghost and you haven't received the Holy Ghost, let's walk backwards. Then how are you baptized? He's going through the process backwards. Because repentance, baptism, and filling of the Holy Ghost, he's like, okay, if you don't know about this, I wonder if you were baptized right. It was important enough for him to ask them, how were you baptized? Why would he waste his time? These were disciples of John. Disciples. You don't just become a disciple just one day and you're not the next. These are people that were devout. They loved God. And so he asked them, and they said, 
unto John's baptism. We were baptized in John's baptism. And then you go to the next verse. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. Amen, somebody. That is on Christ Jesus. Then look at this next verse. And when they heard this, where's, where's the ball? If I could throw the ball. When, when they heard this, they had a response. They said, we want to be baptized the right way. And they obeyed. And were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, or came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. He said, what, what you have is beautiful, a baptism under repentance. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm so glad that you were, I'm so glad that you were baptized as an infant. I'm so grateful that God moved in your family's life and they believe God enough to take you and have your head dipped in a, in, in a, you know, in a baptismal pool and have you, or maybe, maybe I'm so grateful you were sprinkled with baptism, even though that's not even what baptism means. The word baptism means to bury in water. It's not even baptism, but I'm so thankful that somebody knew enough to say, let's baptize, let's sprinkle. But then guess what? Just like Paul says to these disciples, there's more. And you have to decide, what are you going to do with it? I say it's time to be baptized. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? We want to respond all of our life to the calling to greater things. And we want to use the name in every bit of our life, every part of our life. We want to call back to that immersion and baptism and the remembrance that you washed everything away. But I also want us, Lord Jesus, to understand that this is a moment in our life where we choose you and we obey you. And it sets the standard for the rest of our life that when you present something to us, we don't stay where we are, but we take the next step. I asked somebody in here, Lord Jesus, that's struggling where they are with you or maybe they don't even know in their minds whether they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Would you give them the strength today to say yes to baptism? I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. If you're going to be baptized today, would you go with Sarah and with Jessica right now and get ready as they sing? Would you lift your hands and just thank the Lord for something so beautiful as new birth, that we're born again with Christ? There's going to be some distractions, but would you lift your hands right now? And would you make a commitment to greater things? He's not calling you to less. I know some of us in this room have felt like we've had some things happen where it's like, man, I, I was going good and, and things broke down. I was, I was doing pretty good, had a decent job, and then all of a sudden I lost my job. He's not calling you to lesser things. He's calling you to greater things. And if you trust him, he's got a plan. He's got a next step for you in this room today. He's got a next step for you. In the name of Jesus, I believe it. Someone in this room does not know 
why they're even necessarily here. They're just here to celebrate a baptism. But there's a there's a spirit of God speaking to somebody that you have a next step in Him. And we believe that all grace and all goodness begins. For in Him is life and peace. Without Jesus, there's no life and peace. We need Him. We need Him for the peace that He brings to our life. Help us today, Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. By the power of the name, break every chain, Jesus. All sufficient sacrifice. Why don't we worship him for just a minute? Why don't we thank him for being our all-sufficient sacrifice? The whole reason why we can do baptisms today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 